All right, so be honest for a second. Parents, do you have a favorite child? Grandparents, do you have a favorite grandchild? Teachers, do you have a teacher's pet? Now, I know we're not supposed to have favorites when it comes to these, but let's just be honest that there are some people we would rather be trapped on an island with than others, right? I used to think I was my grandparents' favorite. They came and traveled all over the country to watch me play volleyball. They wrote me handwritten notes while I was away at sleepaway camp. They let me drive their golf cart before it was allowed and later, in, as a young adult, I was talking with my cousins, and it turns out they did special things like this for all of us. We all thought we were our grandparents' favorite. As I reflected on this, I realized it was a little bit self-centered of me. I wonder, who do you think is God's favorite? It's probably children, right? I mean, Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for to them belongs the kingdom of heaven. Or maybe it's the Israelites, the, the chosen people of God. Maybe that's who God's favorites are. Or maybe it's you know people that are most generous with their money. Do you remember that story of the, the poor widow who put in all that she had? Or is it the people with the most faith? I'm not sure that there is one group of people that are God's favorite. What we're going to find out today is not what group of people are God's favorite, but what is God's favorite thing. We're going to learn from an 8th century prophet named Amos. You might not have heard of him because he's considered a minor prophet, wrote a little bit less. He's a contemporary of people like Isaiah and Hosea and Micah, and he is preaching a word to the northern kingdom of Israel and its capital city of Samaria. Before I read our scripture today, I have to let you know something. The words are going to sound a little bit harsh, but if you go back and look at the first four chapters of Amos, you will see that up until this point, he has been giving these northern Israelites a good tongue lashing, let's say. And so actually, this is the first time that Amos provides for the listener what is it that God really wants from them? As we prepare to hear God's word, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we come before you with all that we are, and we are so grateful for all that you are. And we pray that this prophetic word would speak right into us. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hear now the words of the prophet Amos. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. As if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. 
Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever noticed that the things that we point out in others that we don't like might also tend to be the things that we don't like in ourselves? I have a tendency to do this when I think other people think that they're the favorite of something. And this is especially true for for people of faith. It's as if they think they're on God's most played list. And y'all remember that story I told at the beginning of how I thought I was my grandparents' favorite? I have heard so many stories from youth and young adults who made the difficult decision to leave a campus ministry or even a youth ministry because the leaders in those ministries would proclaim one thing when they were in front of the whole group, but then their lifestyle outside of those youth group settings, it just painted such a different picture. So here we have the prophet Amos speaking to these Northern Israelites. And he's saying to them, you have continued to do what you're supposed to do. You're showing up for worship. You're making offerings. You're even singing melodies. And all of it, Amos says, in strong words, God hates it. God despises what they are doing. And why? Because while they are proclaiming to worship God and to be the people of God, there is something that is lacking. There is something that is missing. And this thing that is missing is what is God's favorite. And it's justice. The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. And the prophet Amos says, let justice roll down like waters. What is justice? There's so many different definitions in our world and in our schools. Plato, this is what Plato said. Plato said justice was a virtue that established rational order. In other words, if everyone acts justly, society will go the way it needs to go. Aristotle went a little bit further and said that justice had to do with fairness. And fairness means that all things would be distributed equally in a society. So you've got fairness and rational order. I wish it was that easy, but you and I both know that what I think is fair is different than what my teenage boys think is fair. Fair seems to be something relative. And I learned this the really hard way at Logan's fifth birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. I had it all planned out. It was going to be the perfect celebration. Every child that was coming was going to get two slices of pizza And I had already cut the cake up so that each child got the same size slice. So I handed out the pizza. Well, there was the one young boy who decided he only wanted one of his pieces. And so he took his piece and he handed it to the boy next to him. You can imagine it wasn't long before some other kid at the table realized that so-and-so had had three pieces and they only got two. Needless to say, it was only moments before pizza was being thrown, kids were screaming and crying, and it was utter chaos. And it's what's supposed to be such a fun celebration, right? So I did, you know, the, the just thing, and I said, stop sharing. 
everybody gets what they get and they don't pitch a fit. How about that for a justice slogan? Don't share with anyone. I don't think justice can mean fairness because fairness is so relative to each time and place. So maybe justice is about morality. Maybe it's about, you know, a certain way of doing things right and doing things wrong. But then whose morality is it measured by? Is it Christian morality? Is it American morality? Is it Southern morality? Is it Texas morality? So whose morals is it according to? That's why I don't think justice can be about morality. Morality is way too subjective to time and place. Maybe justice is about people getting what they deserve. So if you do right, you get right things. But if you do wrong, you deserve getting some wrong things happening to you. Friends, I don't think justice is about morality or fairness or just getting what you deserve. Because friends, as followers of Jesus, thanks be to God, we don't get what we deserve. Scripture is so clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That is one of the fundamental beliefs that we have as believers. What I want us to consider today is not what Plato, Aristotle, or the latest book says justice is. I want us to consider what is biblical justice. The biblical word for justice, like I said earlier, is mishpat. Now, as to the definition of justice in the Bible, some of it does mean fair. And some of it does mean equal distribution. And some of it does mean morality. But there is a specific lens that biblical justice looks through. And this is what it is. Biblical justice is rooted in how people treat other people, especially those that do not have a voice. The Hebrew word is used 421 times in the Old Testament. Each time this word is used, each time this word is used, it describes how one is supposed to treat others, but not those in your family, not those that you like, not those that are your friends. The word is paired with how to treat those who have less, less voice, less resources, less opportunity, less safety nets. The poor, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the alien, the slave, and women. In all instances in the Old Testament, justice is the rule of life for how people are supposed to treat other people. Mishpat. It denotes and it connotes action. You could say that the word justice according to scripture is a word that literally has feet. It has hands. It has heart. It has soul. This word is something that is seen and done. Mishpat is something that is more than fairness. It is more than morality. Biblical justice means living in such a way that in all that we do, we are concerned for the well-being and the thriving of all around us. In the earlier chapters of Amos, we see that the people of Israel are still acting like they're supposed to. 
They are doing the motions of faith. They go into the temple and they celebrate worship. But we find out they're using wine that was bought through corruption. They bring offerings of bread for worship. Right there, they lay them on the altar, neglecting the starving people outside the temple. Amos implores the people, seek good and not evil that you may live. Hate evil and establish justice. Mishpat. The people of God have failed to be concerned for the well-being and the thriving of those around them. The Lord declares through Amos, even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I have to tell y'all, this scripture has wrecked me the past weeks. Charlie and I have had so many difficult conversations and I have found myself reaching this point where I'm starting to feel guilt or shame for my lack of action for justice. Every time I go to that extreme, though, I realize that guilt and shame, they are not of God. And so I will, I will circle back and realize that conviction to be more faithful is of God. And so I'm asking myself, I want us to ask ourselves, what is God stirring within me to bring justice into action in my area, in my city, in my church right now? So then no surprise, God revealed God's self in an amazing way. So the word that we read, it says roll down. It's two words in English, but in Hebrew, it's one word. And all throughout the Hebrew Bible, it is used to describe most often a stone being rolled into place. Sometimes a stone is rolled in front of a cave to protect people that are inside. Other times a stone is rolled away so that water can then nourish people. But this is the thing about the stone is that once the stone is moved, it's committed to being there. For justice to roll down, it means we need to be committed to the work of justice. That all people would have well-being and could thrive in life. In context, a lot of what Amos speaks about to ancient Israel is about the way the rich are failing to care for the poor. I want us to hear Amos' words today as both a word of encouragement and a word of challenge. This church is filled with some of the most generous people I have ever known in my life. I'm so proud to say that we give away 10% of our operating budget to mission partners globally and locally. You're going to hear in a moment about a special offering that we are taking up in July, and I know we will meet our goal. You might not know this, but there are so many in our congregation who have served for years on nonprofit work, doing the work of justice for the people in our city There are others who go every month to visit folks in prisons and to care for them and share with them the love of Jesus. There are others who are mayors in their own neighborhoods, just making sure that if someone is going through a rough time, that they do not feel alone. I know that some of you 
have taken pay cuts during COVID-19 so that some of your staff do not have to be furloughed. I know that others of you are paying rent for some of the people that work with you so that they are not evicted. Be encouraged, friends. We are doing amazing work of justice. But friends, it would be remiss if we didn't read this as a prophetic text. And just as Amos did those thousands of years ago, may the word of God, may it speak to us with a word of challenge to take a critical look at our lives and ourselves. This is the thing though, whatever we discover, whatever we take a critical look at ourselves, know that we are doing that in the presence and in the midst of a God who loves us and desires for us to know that we are loved. Will you join me in considering what work of justice we can be a part of? Where do I need to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream? Where does my life need a recommitment to justice? So who is God's favorite? No one. But what is God's favorite? God's favorite thing is for justice to be present in this world, allowing for all people, especially those with less, to have an opportunity to thrive and grow into the fullness of abundant life. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.